0: Hello once again everybody and thank you for joining me in the betters box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Tuesday, September 29th. I am your host Adam Burke. Over at ATS.io we got a lot of great stuff going on here. We'll have a lot of MLB playoff coverage for you to go along with everything that we do in the NFL and college football. Also covering all the top sports book promotions out there from places like DraftKings, BetMGM, PointsBet, BetRivers, Place Sugarhouse, all the different legal U.S. sportsbooks and their great bonus offers available over at ATS.io. So we highly encourage you to check that out. And we encourage you to listen to all of our edition, all of our editions, excuse me, of ATS Radio. Mondays with Kyle Hunter, Tuesdays, The Better's Box, and we chat with Brian Blessing about the NFL. We'll also talk Preakness on today's edition of ATS Radio. Thursdays with Brad Powers, Fridays with my Circus Sports Million picks. Lots of great audio content here as well as video content over on our ATS YouTube page. So plenty of things for you to check out. And again as I said very very busy here at this time of the year over at ATS.io and we encourage you to check out all of our written content with those picks and predictions and also lots of industry coverage for the legal U.S. sports betting landscape. All right. Well, today is the start of the Major League Baseball playoffs. The wild card rounds get underway in the American League today. National League starts tomorrow. So on today's show, I'll give you some general playoff betting tips from things that I've noticed, things that I've had success with, and then break down all eight wild card series for you here. Trying to do this in as quick of a fashion as I possibly can so you're able to get this before the games actually start up here on Tuesday. But go ahead and talk about some general playoff betting tips first. And we talked about some of these on yesterday's show, yesterday's edition of ATS Radio uh, with Kyle Hunter, but just want to recap some of these and kind of elaborate on them a little bit. In the playoffs, generally speaking, starters don't go as long as they will in the regular season. Managers are very aggressive. Some managers more aggressive than others. They'll be trying to get those guys out before they turn that lineup over for a third time because the third time through the order is generally when starting pitchers struggle the most so you absolutely positively have to handicap bullpens and bullpen usage in the playoffs now when you look at the schedule here for the major league baseball playoffs there are very limited days off you don't have a whole lot of travel days accumulated into the schedule because they're not traveling you will have teams that go from the wild card round out to their bubble cities. But then after that, everything is pretty straightforward. No days off during the course of a series. So bullpen usage will be very, very important. You will have to monitor when those relievers are being used because there will be days where some guys are quite frankly unavailable. They will not be used in those games. And that can swing the balance of a handicap, especially if it's one of the premier relievers For a team so you will absolutely have to watch how these teams are managing their bullpens now in the wildcard round specifically all the games are at the home park of the higher seed and when you think about the composition of a major league baseball roster you play 81 games at home so you want your roster tailored to your home ballpark so there could be an advantage in some of these wildcard round scenarios here where these teams are just built for their home parks, and maybe the other team isn't built in that same way. You think about a team like Oakland, for example. They've got a big, spacious ballpark there where the ball generally doesn't carry all that well. Well, that's something that could hurt the Chicago White Sox because their lineup, by and large, is predicated on hitting for power. So that's one example here in this wild card round. Uh, you know, you've got an example like, you know, the Indians here. You know, their offense is not very good, but their pitching staff is very strong. Progressive field has slanted more towards the pitching side of late. It does slant more towards left-handed hitting with right field being a little bit more open. And also you've got the high wall uh, in left field. It's about half the size of the Green Monster at Fenway Park. So that suppresses right-handed hitting a little bit. So the Indians have a lot of platoons. They use a lot of left-handed bats against right-handed pitchers. So that is something that they've kind of tailored their roster towards their ballpark. Now, it hasn't worked out this season, but with the Yankees coming to town, having a lot of right-handed power, well, maybe that's something that plays up for the Indians a little bit. The Rays, they're a team that likes to play a lot of lower scoring games, and they can do that at Tropicana Field, where offense is really suppressed. I think the Blue Jays need to out-hit the Rays in this series, that's challenging to do at Tropicana Field. So there are some instances here in this wildcard round where I do think the home team does have a park factor advantage. Those are probably built into the line a little bit already, but they are an angle that you can take a look at. And then once we get to the bubble cities, just about all the bubble ballparks are pretty good for pitching. They suppress offense. So that may be something that you want to factor into your handicap as we move forward into subsequent rounds here. But also, too, with this weird 60 game schedule of really only playing regional games, some teams will be going a long way, especially for the bubble games out in California and in Texas. So there is that. Teams are traveling a little bit more now. Uh, You've got some time zone differences potentially for the first time, stuff like that. So I don't think that's generally an issue for game one as adrenaline kind of carries you through. But game two, game three, a little bit of jet lag, the time change. Your sleep habits are kind of thrown off a little bit. Those are things where they could have an impact on some of these teams as we go forward here. Overall, though, generally speaking, I think live betting is the way to go in the Major League Baseball playoffs. You get lots of swings in these games. Now, there won't be the crowd advantages, so that'll be a little bit weird either way, and maybe that favors the road team to some degree. But I think live betting really comes into play where Some managers are more aggressive than others with their pitching changes. Again, the third time through is something that managers try to avoid in the playoffs, but there are some teams with shaky bullpens, like the Reds, like the Cubs, like the Indians, at least the Indians bullpen here of late, where the starters may have to get pushed a little bit farther. Marlins, same thing. Their starters may have to be pushed a little bit farther here. So those are things where maybe from a live betting standpoint, you can look to take advantage. And also too, you know, in every game, these broadcast crews are always showing who's throwing in the bullpen. So you're going to know who's going to be coming in and if it's not the guy you expected, if it's not a premier reliever in a higher leverage spot or a potential high leverage spot, that's a live betting opportunity for you. So those are things that you want to factor into the equation a little bit here as well. Again, I think pre-flop betting is challenging. I think live betting is the way to go in the MLB playoffs. Some good numbers that we talked about on the Monday podcast with Kyle Hunter. Totals of 6.5 and and 7 have been bad under bets in the playoffs. That's not a big surprise. Unders of 7.5 and and up have been pretty profitable. As Kyle said yesterday, just under 55% over the last few years. And dogs have a better ROI than favorites. And again, keep in mind here that, like I just talked about, starters generally don't go as deep and a lot of times these lines are predicated and set up based on the starting pitchers but in some instances here the starting pitcher will be out there for less than half of the game so especially as we get deeper into the division series and the championship series where you've got the back ends of the rotations going you may get a starter that goes two or three innings and gets pulled before he turns that lineup over but the line was based off the starting pitcher So that's one of the reasons why, at least in my estimation, dogs have had a better ROI than favorites. Also, too, a lot of public influence with the playoffs because there's a lot more interest in general in Major League Baseball when the playoffs roll around. You already have people back with their sports betting accounts because it's football season and all that kind of thing. So I think you do get some inflated favorite prices based on some of the perception biases that are out there in the marketplace. Lastly here, and this is unique to this season, so we'll see how this plays out, but these teams have only played teams in their division for 40 games and then the opposite interleague division for 20 games. So a lot of these statistics are very, very skewed by playing within the division. So you gotta be careful with a lot of the numbers that are out there where, you know, the, Indian, or the White Sox are a great example. They absolutely pulverized. The Royals and the Tigers. They were a sub 500 team by a large margin against teams that were 500 or better. They were 12 and 20 against teams 500 or better, 23 and 5 against teams under 500. Well, there are a few teams under 500 in the playoffs this year, but generally speaking, you're playing better teams. So the White Sox were shut down by the better teams that they played and dominated the really bad teams that they played. So that skews their offensive numbers and their offensive profile a little bit. The Astros same thing, 20 and 8 at home, 9 and 23 on the road, but again, you know, they only played the teams that, you know, were in the West, and they were only 4 and 13 against teams that were 500 or better. Now they face a Twins team that won a pretty competitive AL Central, at least with the top 3 teams in that division. So Keep that in mind. The stats are very, very skewed here this time around. Now, the stats that have a plus next to them, WRC plus, OPS plus, ERA plus, stuff like that, those are stats that are relative to the league average. So they will take into account the quality of competition and kind of adjust those numbers a little bit. So maybe those are the stats that you do want to take a look at here for the playoffs. All right, so the AL wild card starts today. NL wild card starts tomorrow. I will give you series prices from BetMGM Sportsbook. Uh, shop around for the best prices on these. As always, whether that's DraftKings, PointsBet, FanDuel, William Hill, whatever the case may be, shop around for the best prices with these series odds. We start with the first game today. That is Astros and Twins. Astros, $1.35 underdog twins in the minus 165 range here and as I just said the Astros sub 500 team at 29 and 31 but they did have a positive run differential for the season so they did underachieve a little bit relative to their Pythagorean win loss expectation but again they were 4 and 13 against teams 500 or better now I will say that the Astros have a second lease on life here once the playoffs got expanded They knew that they were probably going to make it. Eight teams in each league. They weren't going to finish behind the Angels, the Rangers, or the Mariners in the AL West. And the top two from each division did get in. So with that in mind, the Astros had a lot of injuries during the year. They looked at and evaluated a lot of different guys. They have a new lease on life here. And I don't think that they're as dead and buried of a team as people seem to think. Now, again, they were 20 and 8 at home, 9 and 23 on the road. So they did have some issues there. 10 and 14 in one run games, 2 and 7 in extra inning games. And this was a bullpen that had problems throughout the year. They had a lot of injuries, to say the least. Dusty Baker, generally not regarded as a great in game manager. So there is that to factor into the equation as well here. Looks like probably Zach Granke, Franber Valdez, Lance McCullers will be the starting three for the Astros here in this series if game three is necessary. But I look at this Astros team and I'm not going to say they were lying in the weeds because they do have problems and they did have a lot of injuries. But like I said, they knew they were making the playoffs. And now maybe they can flip that switch. They are a team with a track record. They are a team that could be capable of doing that. They just didn't have a lot of interest in the regular season they did what they had to do now with that being said they were awful offensively down the stretch so I don't know if they can flip that switch especially against a pretty good twins pitching staff but you know again I don't think the Astros are as bad as this full body of work would suggest now the twins did win the AL Central 18 and 12 against 500 or better teams looks like Kenta Maeda Jose Barrios Michael Pineda will be the three for the twins here and after Maeda, it's not all that impressive. So I do think the Astros offense is relatively live in this series. The Twins did allow the second fewest runs per game, and their offense got a little bit better later in the year after the slow start. I think this is a series where you wonder about the baseball. You wonder about, you know, if Major League Baseball brings back the spring-loaded ball for the playoffs to give them a little bit more interest, a little bit more excitement, a little bit more offense. We don't really know. The ball has been different seemingly on a week-by-week basis based on some of the, the drag statistics and other things that people have come up with. So I do wonder what the baseball looks like here in the playoffs. Last year, it was a pretty dead baseball in the postseason. We'll see how that goes. The Twins should advance here, but I would not be the least bit surprised if To see the Astros win, they've got a lot of position player talent, a lot of guys that underachieved this season. And again, I think they are a team potentially capable of flipping that switch. I'm not betting this series, but I think that the Twins should win, as the line implies. But if the Astros win, I don't think it's that big of an upset. I don't think it's that big of a surprise. And I do think purely from a value standpoint, I think the line is a little bit high here. So if I had to pick a series team in this one, I would take the Astros to win the series, but probably not going to be invested in that price unless something crazy happens here over the next couple of hours. All right, so we move on here to the White Sox and the A's. White Sox, a short underdog. A's, a short favorite here in this one, which is interesting because the White Sox are the game one favorites with Lucas Giolito against Jesus Lazardo, the White Sox are sputtering going into the playoffs so they've been in an offensive funk now they have faced some really good right-handed pitching and this is an angle that I've followed all season long with the White Sox above average right-handed pitching can will and has shut them down this year they're 12 and 20 against teams 500 or better 23 and 5 against teams under 500 so when the White Sox face bad pitching they do very well with it when they face good pitching they do struggle and in particular good right-handed pitching now for the year their offensive numbers look really good because they've beaten up on so many of those bad pitching staffs but now at this point in time you're generally not going to get a lot of bad pitching staffs you're not getting a Tigers pitching staff you're not getting a Royals pitching staff You're getting much better pitching staffs here, and you're getting a lot of teams in the American League that have some very good right-handed starting pitching. One of those teams, though, is not the Oakland A's. So that is something that I do think helps the White Sox here in this series. Now, they will go Giolito, Keuchel, and to be determined in this series, I think Dane Dunning probably winds up getting the Game 3 start here, and I don't think that's a bad move by the White Sox to throw Dunning out there, again, it's not like you need your starter to go six innings in the playoffs. You're going to put it on the shoulders of your bullpen more often than not. But again, like I talked about at the start of the show, Oakland's ballpark, the ball generally doesn't carry super well there. The White Sox are an offense predicated on hitting home runs and a high batting average on balls in play from making a lot of hard contact. The A's are a pretty good defensive team, even with the loss of Matt Chapman here, who is a very big loss, by the way, in this series. Oakland, on the other hand, has a walk-happy lineup. They don't make a lot of quality contact. They don't hit for a ton of power. The thing that hurts Oakland in this series is that Giolito, Keuchel, and the White Sox bullpen, those guys don't issue a whole lot of walks. And Dunning, to this point, Hasn't issued a whole lot of walks either. So that really neutralizes the one thing that Oakland's lineup does really well, and that's draw walks. The A's don't have Matt Chapman, as I mentioned. I think that's a pretty big loss for them. They were third in walk rate during the season. The White Sox were 24th. So again, that's a big part of the strategy here for Chicago. They have to throw strikes. They have to trust the defense. Let the A's put the ball in play. Don't give them free base runners because this is an Oakland lineup that doesn't really make a ton of quality contact. Now for Oakland, they'll go with Lazardo in Game 1, Chris Bassett in Game 2. Game 3 is not listed yet, but I would go with Frankie Montas. I know Montas didn't have a great regular season. I'm not trusting Mike Fiers, and I'm not sending Sean Manaya out there against a White Sox lineup that hits lefties extremely well. One downside for Oakland here. They have played six games, six games against the team 500 or better this season. They're 34 and 20 against teams that are below 500. They're two and four against teams that are 500 or better. So they are stepping up in class here. Even though I think the White Sox, like all teams in the American League, have some flaws, they are stepping up in class here in a pretty notable way. Because the only over 500 teams they played this year – are the Dodgers and the Padres. So this is a scenario to me where I actually like the White Sox in this series. It's a mild upset at best, but their pitching staff suppresses the best offensive tool for the Oakland A's. And again, Giolito's a game one favorite. If they win game one, all they got to do is win one of the next two. I think that's very doable for them. Again, as the playoffs go along, I don't believe in the White Sox chances I they will struggle against above average right-handed pitching as they have most of the year but in this particular series I think they get pretty lucky now Oakland does have an exceptional bullpen that is something that could hold the White Sox back a lot of good right-handed relievers in that group but the White Sox bullpen has been pretty good as well they've been better than I expected them to be so I do like the White Sox to advance here even though they've not played well and even though I've kind of talked negatively about them at a lot of junctions or a lot of junctures here so far this year, but I do think that this series in particular does set up relatively well for them. So I do think the White Sox do advance like the minus 106 minus 105 price is not a bad look here in this series. The Blue Jays and the Rays, the Rays 40 and 20 during the regular season, 21 and nine against teams 500 or better. The Blue Jays were outscored on the season but they played a lot of one-run games you give them a lot of credit for making the playoffs here. The bullpen did have some issues late though. Their bullpen throughout most of the year one of the better and more surprising units in Major League Baseball but they wound up with a 471 ERA and a 457 FIP when all was said and done and their rotation is questionable. Hunjin Ryu will pitch game two. They'll send out Shoemaker and Walker in games one and three. They're trying to spread out the bullpen games, and I don't mind them doing that. And I don't mind Ryu in game two, either with a chance to stay alive or a chance to win the series. But it is a difficult road to hoe for the Blue Jays because, again, their bullpen did slack off a little bit later in the year, and they just don't have the rotation depth that a team like Tampa Bay has And Tampa Bay will be throwing Snell, Glass now, and Morton at the Blue Jays. And, you know, I I really don't like the pitching matchups in this series for the Blue Jays. You know, I I think that Ryu's been great all season long, but the Rays can line up a bunch of right handed bats against him, play to their platoon advantage. And, you know, again, the Blue Jays are going to face Glass now in that game with Ryu. And that's just, that's a tough spot to be in. That's an uphill climb for their offense. So, Even if Ryu pitches well, and he probably will, still, you may be behind the eight ball a little bit in that game anyway. The Rays, their bullpen, one of the best in baseball. Again, they just keep finding useful bullpen arms. And also, I think Kevin Cash is a big upgrade, a big advantage for the Rays here in this series over Charlie Montoyo, who, you know, oddly enough, Montoyo did come from the Rays. But I think Cash is one of the game's best managers. The Rays draw a lot of walks. They will hit for okay power. They do strike out a lot, but the Blue Jays not a pitching staff with a ton of strikeout upside. So I think the Rays do advance here. They are a minus 223 favorite. This price is steep, but I do think that they do advance and take care of the Blue Jays in this series. Fascinating series here between the Yankees and the Indians. Yankees about a dollar twenty favorite. Indians even money in this one. The big story is clearly game one. Garrett Cole. Shane Bieber, Bieber the best pitcher in the league this season, Garrett Cole the best pitcher in the league last season. This is a great game one and game one may quite frankly define the series, may decide who wins this thing. You beat the opposing team's ace and that team really goes on its heels here for the rest of this series. Now the big talking point outside of the Cole and Bieber matchup is that the Yankees have massive, enormous home road splits this season a 542 slugging at home with a 146 WRC plus and a 384 WOBA on the road, though, a 350 slugging percentage, a 297 WOBA and an 86 WRC plus. So the Yankees took full advantage of Yankee stadium and did not hit at all on the road. And they're on the road here at progressive field. Again, like I talked about earlier in the show, A ballpark that suppresses right-handed power with that high wall. And also, it's going to be chilly this week in Cleveland. Temperatures in the upper 50s, mid to upper 50s at game time, getting colder throughout the game. The wind is expected to blow out a little bit in games one and two, but I can tell you from lots of years of experience, in March, April, September, and October, when it is chilly in Cleveland... The ball dies in the outfield. This is not a good offensive park at all when there is cooler weather. So think about that from an under standpoint, and you think about that from the standpoint of the Indians' offense as well, because the Indians don't hit. They are not a good offensive team. They want a low-scoring environment, hope for some opportunistic hits here and there, and try to win a lot of 3-2, to 4-2 to two types of games. The Yankees can do that, though, and that is the worry for the Indians in this series in that you know, Cole in game one, Tanaka's a playoff assassin in game two, and furthermore, other than the narrative, and, and Tanaka does have the good numbers, but the sample sizes are relatively small, Tanaka's got that heavy splitter, and the Indians don't hit change-ups and splitters. Their left-handed batters do not fare well against those pitch types. So this will be, in all likelihood, a very low-scoring series. Yankees have a great bullpen, Indians have a good bullpen, and again, the Yankees don't hit on the road, Indians don't hit anywhere, would expect a lower scoring series here. The one advantage that the Indians could have is that the Yankees led baseball in walk rate, and the Indians had the second lowest walk rate. Their starters don't walk anybody. Their bullpen can have some walk troubles, Karen Check specifically, but the Indians also miss a lot of bats. Second highest K percentage in baseball this season so the way to beat the Yankees to me is with the strikeout again I think we get lower scoring series here the Yankees have more depth to the lineup but they are very right handed heavy against an elite right-handed rotation I think this series is probably priced accurately with the Indians offensive shortcomings it was minus 130 minus 135 and I thought that was too high the Yankees do have a managerial edge With Aaron Boone over Sandy Alomar Jr. I give the Yankees a slight edge but I do think that this is a perfectly placed toss-up series. I think this is perfectly matched and you've got this Yankees offense but the Indians pitching staff does match up well against them. The Indians offense is not very good. Uh, The fan in me obviously wants the Indians to win. I think the Yankees do advance but I don't think it will be easy for New York so I won't bet this series I do give the Yankees the slight edge uh, with the better overall lineup and the better manager in the dugout. So we shift to the National League here, which starts on Wednesday. We start with the Reds and the Braves here. Reds plus 115, Braves minus 139 per per the odds, excuse me, over at BetMGM. The Reds with the highest strikeout percentage in baseball. And the best way to neutralize a great lineup is with the strikeout. And the Braves have a great lineup best weighted on base average in baseball against right-handed pitching but they're getting Trevor Bauer Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray and specifically with Castillo and Gray two ground ball guys so that's something that would suppress Atlanta's power production because they hit a lot of doubles and home runs against right-handed pitching but Castillo and Gray keep the ball on the ground so I think the Reds get a decent matchup here, about as good as you can ask for, with their starting pitching against such a good offense. Now, for game one, Max Freed is great. I mean, Max Freed is an awesome pitcher, but he's thrown one inning since September 18th and 11 innings since the start of September. So you wonder about Freed and how you know, effective he's going to be, how sharp he's going to be in this series, not having pitched a whole lot, in the lead-up to the postseason, Ian Anderson's got great numbers, but you know the stakes are raised a little bit now, and he can get a little bit erratic. The Braves do have an excellent bullpen, though, and I think that they're going to put this series on the bullpen for the most part. They have not named a starter for game three. They'll probably go with a Johnny Holstaff type of approach and use everybody out there in the bullpen, and they have a better bullpen than the Reds. The Reds' bullpen has improved as the season has gone along. Lucas Sims has been a nice find. Uh, Amir Garrett's pitched well. Lorenzen and Iglesias have gotten things going. But the Reds are a team that will probably have to push their starters a little bit more. And they should feel comfortable with that because they've got three very good ones in Bauer, Castillo, and Gray. But we'll see if that third time through does wind up hurting them a little bit. Again, much like the Indians series with Cole and Bieber in game one, Bauer and Freed could be the series here. I think the Braves have to win the Freed game. I really do think that that is something that they have to focus on in this series. And I don't know how long Freed will go. So the Reds, they're a very live dog here. I think they, even though they don't have the offense that the Braves have, their pitching is dominant enough that they should be in all three of these games. And this is a series that, to me will probably hinge on a handful of plate appearances. The Braves will issue some walks. And the Reds drew a ton of walks during the season. The Braves do not strike out a lot of batters. So that could give the Reds some opportunities. And again, I I think this series comes down to batted ball luck. I think it comes down to a handful of high-leverage plate appearances. I think the Reds are live. I, I don't think plus 115 is a great price. But I do think that the Reds are live. So... I mean, if I had to do anything with this series, I would look at the Reds. I think you're better off playing some Reds' first fives and things like that in this series. Um, You know, Braves, from a live betting standpoint, because their bullpen is better than Cincinnati's, I think those are the angles you look for in this series. I won't be surprised if the Reds advance. The Braves should win as the favorite. But like I said, I think Reds' first five, I think Braves' live betting, things like that are the way to approach this series marlins and the cubs cubs about a minus 190 favorite here marlins plus 155 the question here in this series is whether or not the cubs offense is bad enough to let the marlins stick around because the marlins are a bottom five offensive team they're a bottom five bullpen but they got a decent starting rotation and again teams looking to be opportunistic here in this wild card round because anything can happen in a best of three the problem is the Marlins are going to run into Kyle Hendricks and you Darvish. I think the series could be over in two. I think you can cut down the juice a little bit by taking the Cubs in two games. I do think they win this series. This is probably my favorite of the series prices so far. And again, it's minus minus one ninety, So it's, it's pretty easy to say that, but there is, you know, look, I mean, the Marlins have good starting pitching. Sixto Sanchez is fantastic. Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, It's a good big three for them. Lots of stuff, good contact quality against, but you wonder about the walk rates. And like I said, this bullpen is bad and this lineup is a bottom five unit. And you get Kyle Hendricks and you, Darvish. If I'm the Cubs, I don't want a third game. I don't want to have to make the decision of Alec Mills or John Lester or a bullpen game or something like that. The Marlins do have a top 10 offense against left-handed pitching. So there is that. So I think if this gets to a Game 3, we do see Alec Mills get the nod over John Lester. But again, I think the Cubs are the pick here in this wildcard round. The price is very big, but they're just a better all-around team. The Marlins are a great story, and their starting pitching is dangerous enough, but their bullpen is not good. 550 ERA, 565 FIP, bottom five lineup. They don't hit right-handed pitching well. The Cubs don't have a lot of lefties on the staff. The Cubs are going to win this series, I think. And like I said, I think you can cut down on the juice by taking them to win it in two with Hendricks and Darvish in those first two games. The Cardinals and the Padres. Padres is a big favorite here in the minus 220 range. Cardinals in the plus 175, plus 180 range on the take back. The Padres do have some injury concerns coming into this series with Denilson Lamett and Mike Clevenger. We'll see how the Cardinals set up their rotation. Looks like it's Kwang Hyung Kim in game one, Adam Wainwright game two, Jack Flaherty if they need him in game three. I don't love the way they're setting up the rotation, but you know they actually had to kind of play out the end of the regular season. So maybe they felt more comfortable doing it that way. Lamont Davies, and probably a bullpen type of game for the Padres in game three. I would say Adrian Moorjohn maybe gets the start there. Maybe it's Paddock. I don't know. But the Padres have edges here. They've got the better lineup. They've got the better bullpen. And the Padres are going to get a low strikeout staff with Kim and Wainwright. And I think that really helps them because the Padres this year had one of the lowest strikeout percentages in baseball. And when they make contact, they do some very good things. They have a lot of high quality contact. The Cardinals, they really don't. So. While I think this price is a little bit high, especially because the Padres are 6-7 and here against teams with a winning record. They have not played a lot of good baseball teams this season. They are 31-16 and against teams that are sub-500. The Cardinals are more or less a 500 team. So I think the Padres do advance. I do think this price is a little bit high solely because of the competition quality and because they have some of those injuries and concerns with the starting rotation. But they should advance here. This is not a series I anticipate playing a whole lot of things in. I don't really see a whole lot of live betting opportunities either, unless the Padres are down a run or tie, because I think they do have the better bullpen here in this series. Lastly, the Brewers and the Dodgers. Dodgers more than a $3 favorite here. Brewers make the playoffs as a sub-500 team. If Corbin Burns was healthy, the Brewers would be a live dog to me. Because Woodruff and Burns in games one and two would give them a pretty good chance. But Burns is out with an oblique. Brett Anderson has a blister. The Brewers' bullpen is very good, though. Devin Williams and Josh Hader, two of the best relief pitchers in baseball, I think they can have some success in this series if they can play from in front. I don't know if they can play from in front. The Dodgers own right-handed pitching. They do a very good job in that split. And after Woodruff, The Brewers are very questionable with the starting staff. Adrian Hauser induces a lot of ground balls, but he doesn't miss a lot of bats. He's kind of an iffy proposition. Again, if Burns was healthy, I'd have more to talk about with this series. Because he's not, the Dodgers will advance. Their lineup is just so much stronger. Again, they only played 13 games against a team with a winning record, and it's not their fault. You can only play the teams that are on your schedule, but the Dodgers are not a team that we worry about playing against above-average competition because they're one of baseball's elite teams. For the Padres, I think it's more of a concern. For the A's, I think it's more of a concern. For the Dodgers, it's not. So the Dodgers will advance here. I don't think we worry too much about that. Again, if the Brewers had Burns, they'd be live. No reason to bet a team minus 300 uh, in a best-of-three series here. But I do think the Dodgers, outside of the Woodruff game, and maybe they lose that game and have to win two in a row. uh, Outside of the Woodruff game, I think they do whatever they want offensively in this series at least against the brewers starting rotation until some of their relievers get into the mix so covered all eight wild card series here i'll have a show today with brian blessing talking about the preakness and week four in the nfl lots of content over at ats.io and on ats radio for you to enjoy that'll do it for me thank you so much for listening everybody and remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box